ahead and open up in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, I pray that you would just be with us all here tonight. I know many of us have different things that are going on in this life. Uh, maybe things might be going great for us uh, right now, and you're, somebody might be in this room and be like, ah, you know, life is going good. I don't really need a whole lot uh, from the message here tonight. Lord, there might be somebody on the opposite end of the spectrum. Um, some hard times have fallen upon them recently, and they really need what's here tonight, Lord. No matter where they are, no matter what's going on, what's happening, I pray that you'd just be with us all. We'd all be able to take something from this message here tonight. Empty me of myself, fill me with your spirits, and help me to get the words across that you would have me to, and give these people exactly what they need. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you got your Bible, please turn it to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5 and verses 22 through 23. Mark chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. It's a popular story, and it's about a man named Jairus. And it's talking about his life, and he's come upon some hard times in his life. We've all been there, whether we've been there in the past we're there right now, or we're going to head into it in the future. We're all going to come across some hard times. And this message tonight is going to be talking about belief. Believing in God no matter what the circumstances, no matter what trial, what struggle you may be facing. Put your complete faith and your trust and belief in Jesus Christ and know that he knows what's best for you. So first off, we're going to be taking a look at this sad situation, this sad situation that Jairus was in. Mark chapter 5, verses 22 through 23, and it says, And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. When he saw him, when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, and she shall be made, or she shall be healed, and she shall live. So we come across this man, his name was Jarius, and he heard he's had this situation, the worst situation that I could believe a parent could ever have. Their son, their daughter was sick. He had done everything possible that he could. And it's interesting, looking at Jarius, this man wasn't just a pauper. This man wasn't a poor man. This man was a rich, he was a wealthy man. He was one of the rulers of the synagogues, which means that he had power and he had wealth. He had the two things that you think that if anybody would be able to help heal, it'd be these doctors. He had the money to afford it, and I'm sure he'd done everything that he could in order to see his daughter healed. But at this point, there was nothing left. He had tried all the doctors. He had tried everything that he could. And the only thing that he could think of that could help heal his daughter was this man named Jesus. You see, there's no doubt that Jairus did whatever he could, but many times like us, he waited till the very end, till there was no other way out, and then he goes to Jesus, when that should have been the first place that he should have went to. We blame him and say, well, well, why didn't he do that first? But yeah, I look at my life. How many times do I say, well, I can fix this problem if I work a little bit harder. 
man, that last message wasn't that great. But you know what? If I, if I work a little bit harder at this one, if I take a little bit more time to prepare and get ready, it'll just be better. And then I come to the point where I go up to the sermon. Oh man, haven't prayed about it. I should probably pray at least once before I get the sermon. I come up here at the pulpit. I pray over it. Lord bless it. It's the last ditch effort. And that was where Jairus was at. He had prayed, or he had, he had gone to the doctors. He had done everything that he could except go to Jesus. He should have went to Jesus first. At this point, he knew he had needed a miracle. And that's what he had sought out to see. He sought out to see Jesus Christ so that he could see, possibly see that miracle. Now, when we come to this point, it talks about the way that Jairus approached Jesus. He approached Jesus in a very specific way. It says that he besought him greatly. He besought Jesus Christ greatly. Now, there's a couple of different ways of asking someone to do something. If there's something that might not be very important, something that's a little bit further down the list, it's like, oh, hey, we got some, and this happens all the time at church. You get tons of stuff coming all the time, all the time, all the time. So let's just say somebody delivers a bunch of water bottles and, you know, we got to put it back behind a little divider back there. And so it's not very high up on the list as long as it gets done by Sunday or Wednesday night. So usually uh, Chris will ask me or Wendy will ask me, hey, do you mind if you, you, if whenever you get a chance, when you get time, could you please put that water behind the little barrier back there so nobody can see it when it comes to Sunday or Wednesday night. So that's kind of further down on my list. That's probably going to get done last minute. It might get done the day of. It's not something that's very important, not something that I really need to get done. I mean, after all, they ask me, ah, when you get time, if you get the chance. But there is another way of asking something. This is the way, like when your mom is heading home, she asks you to do one thing all day, clean your room, and that's the only thing that she asks you to do all day. And then you get that phone call. It says, Mom. It's about five o'clock. You know she's heading home. And she's like, that room better be cleaned up when I get home. And I'm like, yes, ma'am, it's going to get done. Boom, I hang up the phone. I get that done right away as quick as I can. There's no way I'm taking time. It was like a command. It wasn't the, eh, if you get to it, you should probably clean up your room. No, it was like, a, you better get that room cleaned or else your father's coming home and not much longer. And you better have that room cleaned up. And so, G, uh, so Jairus comes to Jesus and he, and he besought him greatly. He fell down at his feet, which is another thing in and of itself. He was a man with power. He was a man with wealth and he cast himself down at Jesus' feet. He besought him greatly. When was the last thing something happened in your life or how do you pray? When you pray, when things come into your life, how do you approach prayer? Is it a nonchalant thing? hey, Lord, I, I mean, I hear all these cool stories in the Bible of you doing all these neat miracles. You know, could you help me out with this financial issue that I have, uh, with this physical issue that I have, or with this, even more importantly, a spiritual need that I have? You just approach him kind of, yeah, Lord, I, I want to have your power. I want to have the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. Or is it like, Lord, I need this. Lord, I need your power. Lord, I need your wisdom, your presence in my life. Or is it just, yeah, Lord, it'd be nice if I had it every once in a while. No, he besought Jesus greatly. That's how we need to approach Jesus 
in our prayer life. Seek his face, seek him and, and ask for it. There's a specific way in which we need to do this. James chapter five, verses 16 through 18. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth fruit. See, in this verse, Elijah prayed fervently that it would not rain. And it ended up not raining for three years and six months. Three and a half years, it didn't rain. And that was because Elijah, besought, he, he sought him greatly. He fervently prayed that Jesus Christ would answer his prayer. See, as Jesus Christ began to travel to Jairus's house, this man besought him greatly. He asked, he begged for Jesus to come to his house. And Jesus, being who he is, yes, he went. He came to heal the sick and he came to do all those things. And so Jesus gladly went. He went to Jairus' house. But an unexpected delay was just right around the corner. Jairus must have been so excited. Jesus, this man, I've heard he's done some great miracles. I've heard he's done some wonderful things. And he's coming to my house. He can heal my daughter. This is my hope, but right around the corner, there was an unexpected delay. One that seemingly wasn't, it, it, it was gonna ruin uh, Jairus' daughter. Jairus' daughter would for sure be dead by the time Jesus got there, if there's any delay. All of a sudden, we see this delay in Mark chapter five, verses 25 through 26. It says, and a certain woman, which had an issue of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians. So she was almost in the same exact predicament and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse and worse. You see, this woman was in the same exact situation as Jairus' daughter. All the money had been spent. All the doctors had been visited, but nothing. She wasn't healed. And just like Jairus, she heard about this man, Jesus was in town. And all I could do is just touch his garment. I can be healed. She had the issue of blood for 12 years and she was absolutely hopeless until she saw Jesus. And then we get to the end of the story right here, Mark chapter five, verse 27 through 29. And when she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment, for she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be made whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Wow. Oh, what a thing that Jairus and these disciples were able to see. He had heard about him healing, yes, but I'm sure that this is probably the first time that Jairus had actually physically witnessed a miracle from Jesus. That lady was healed that no doctor could heal. That situation that was impossible, Jesus made possible. And Jairus, I'm sure he was just ecstatic. He, he saw that, wow, it, it's true, all the stories that I heard, it is true. Jesus really can heal. 
But it wasn't much longer when he received the worst news that a parent could ever receive. Mark chapter 5, verse 35. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? Why troublest the master any further? Your daughter, she's dead. He went from the peak of being excited to seeing what Jesus can do to all of a sudden being at the lowest, the low that he could be. His daughter was dead. I couldn't imagine what he felt like when he heard that news. And it was at that point, Jesus encouraged him and he said, Jarius, be not afraid, only believe. Be not afraid, only believe. Psalms chapter 27, verse 14 says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. You see, to this crowd that was there, I'm sure there was a big old crowd around him, and we know that there was. There was this big old crowd around Jesus. The situation seemed hopeless. Yes, Jesus can heal the sick, but this girl, she's dead. Surely this man can raise someone from the dead. And this girl, she was dead, yes. But this was Jesus' opportunity to show them that he is more powerful than they could have ever imagined. He is more powerful than anybody could ever believe, anybody could ever hope for. He has the power over death itself. You see, maybe there's some problems in your life that seem like they're too big to be handled by God. Maybe you've done everything that you could in your power and you say, well, it's, it's done. It's over. My son's not going to come back to Christ. This isn't, and you might have a situation in your life that might seem hopeless. It might be financial. It might be physical. It could be many different things. You might say, well, it's impossible. It's hopeless. It's helpless but that's what we need to leave those at Jesus' feet. Trust him that he knows what's best. Yes, if Jesus would have went and healed Jairus' daughter, it would have been great. But when Jesus comes to their house, when everybody says they're dead, wow, that was even a bigger miracle. It was even greater in the eyes of everyone. So leave your burdens, leave those problems at Jesus' feet and see what he and do. That was Jesus' opportunity to show them that he has power over death itself. You see, there was a terrible situation that that man was in. And two, there was also some scornful spectators. There were spectators all around him that said, well, it can't happen. It's not going to be done. Forget about it. Why are you troubling Jesus anymore? Let him go on his way and do his own thing. And then that's when Jesus comforts him. Do not be afraid. Only believe. It must have been hard to believe. It had to have been hard to believe. Lord, how? I'm sure he didn't have the words to say. Be not afraid, only believe. And Jairus had just that little, I'm sure it was tiny, I'm sure it was small, but he had that little tiny bit of faith and he kept on his way. He went on his way and led Jesus right to his house. By the time that Jesus reached the house, there must have already been a crowd. Jesus was coming. Uh, this girl is dead. Jesus is coming. Let's see what's going to happen. 
But sadly, lots of them were there just to mock him, uh, just to laugh at him. Say, well, this, this can't happen. Yes, you can heal the sick, but there's no way that you can heal uh, this girl that's dead, bring this girl back to life. See, we're not quite all sure who all was there, but we do know that they doubted that Jesus could work a miracle like he was just about going to do. When Jesus got to this house, he told the mourners that the girl, she's not dead. Oh no, she's not dead. She's only sleeping. Mark chapter five, verses 39 through 40. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entereth in where the damsel was laying. One that says that the people laughed him to scorn. The people just absolutely were probably, they were probably hysterical. <laughs> Seriously, you're going to go in this house and, and no, impossible. They laughed him. They mocked him. But Jarius was sitting there with a little bit of hope with a little tiny bit of hope. You see, even though we might not laugh, we might not think that we laugh like these scorners do, like these people that were there, those mourners that were there when Jesus said that she's not dead, she's only sleeping. But many times we do something that's exactly the same thing. You see, many times we we feel discouraged. We don't think that we know. We don't think that Jesus Christ can really do some miracles in our life. And we don't pray believing that he can. Sure, we might pray a prayer, but we don't believe it. It's just the same exact thing as laughing in Jesus Christ's face. You can't do this, Lord. That's what they were doing. You can't do this laughing at him in his face. You can't do that. That's the same exact thing that we do when we pray in unbelief. I mean, what's the point of praying if we don't believe that Jesus can heal, that Jesus can answer those prayers? It's just exactly the same thing as laughing in his face, saying, you can't do that. That's not going to happen. So we can't judge them as much because many times we do the same exact things. See, God's statements many times run completely opposite of what humans think. Uh, John chapter 17, verse 17 says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And also in Psalms chapter 119, verse 151, it says, Thou art near, O Lord, and all thy commandments are truth. If we believe that Jesus Christ really did these miracles, why are we praying and unbelief. Why do we live our life in unbelief and not following him? Another example, in, in Kings chapter 17, verses 8 through 16, God told Elijah to go to a widow and to tell her to make him a little bit of bread and give him some water. And many of you guys know this story. It's, it's a popular story. And I have no clue what this woman was thinking at the moment. This guy comes in. This was a man, Elijah. He was the guy that was, I'm sure everybody knew him. He was a crazy man that was down by the brook of Cherith. He's being fed by ravens. I mean, 
He probably wasn't the best looking shape when he got to her house. She's probably like, that is the raven man by the brook of Cherith. Okay, why is he in my house and what does he want from me? And he comes into the house and he proceeds to ask her for some bread and for some water. That would be the last person I would give any bread and any water to. I'd be like, no, sir, you can please walk out that door and just never come back. I never want to see you again. But yet she did something that was contrary to human reasoning. It didn't make sense, but she proceeded to give Elijah that bread and that water. And she tells him, well, this is, this is all I have. All I have is a little bit of bread. All I have is a little bit of of flour, a little bit of water. We're just going to eat it, and then we're just going to die, and that's it. And Elijah says, trust me. Have faith. Contrary to human reasoning, it didn't make any sense, but she trusted him. She trusted the Lord. She trusted that this man was a prophet. He said, fear not, just trust me. And it didn't make any sense at all, but she did. And obviously we saw that he had given more flour. Uh, They were given more water and oil. What a great story that was. And it was a miracle. I mean, it really was a miracle. And it happened because she had faith. She had trust. I wonder how many times we would be able to see miracles in our life, but we don't trust. We can see God do some amazing things, but we don't trust him that he knows what's best. Many times we talk ourselves out of miracles. We talk ourselves out of what Jesus Christ can do through us. We look at ourselves and say, well, I can never be a Sunday school teacher. Teaching in front of kids, that's just, I'm just not good at speaking in front of people. And we talk ourselves out of those amazing things that Jesus Christ might want to do through us. Another example, let's just say you have the absolute most important job in the church. Well, let's give give some example. What what would you guys think would be the absolute most important job in the church? The nursery? That's a close second. That's a close second. The nursery. The nursery is a close second. I believe that the most important yeah, very spiritually, you know, it's just the pastor we got here in nursery. <laughs> I think the absolute most important job that we have in the church, by far, without a doubt, would have to be the person who gets the Krispy Kreme donuts on Sunday. <laughs> the person who gets the Krispy Kreme donuts on Sunday. And so let's just say this person, they say, well, the Lord's calling them to, okay, you need to help out in the bus ministry. We need some more helpers for the bus ministry. Just try it out on um, vacation Bible camp. Help us out, see how you like it. And they talk themselves out of it. They're like, I got the most important position. If I don't get the donuts, then Pastor Chris is gonna be mad when he's giving his sermon. Uh, He's not gonna be in the spirit. If he's out of the spirit, there's gonna be somebody there that's not saved, that's a visitor, and they're not gonna get saved. And so therefore, I got to get the Krispy Kreme donuts because if I don't, Chris is going to be angry. If Chris is angry, then that person not going to get saved. That person's never going to come back and never know Jesus Christ, their personal Savior. So I need to go and get the Krispy Kreme donuts. And they talk themselves out of the miracles that they might be able to see, those kids that might be able to be saved because in part of what 
they have done and part of bringing them to church. And to be honest with you, I'm sure that's happened multiple times in my life. A person that I know I should have witnessed to, a person that I know I should have invited to church that possibly could have come and could possibly be here today. Who knows how big this church could be and would be if every time the Holy Spirit lays someone on our heart that we would go out and have trust and have faith that they would come. Who knows how big it would be? Who knows how many miracles we would see? How many people would be able to, to see saved because of that? But many times we talk ourselves out of it. Oh, we're too busy. Oh, Lord, you can't do that through me. And we talk ourselves out of those miracles that Jesus Christ wants to have in our life and wants us to see in our life. Thankfully, finally, we see Jesus Christ. He was the sufficient Savior. Number three, Jesus Christ was a sufficient Savior. See, time after time in the Bible, Jesus showed himself to be exactly what people need in their life in every situation, including healing Jairus' daughter. Mark chapter 5, verses 41 through 42. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha kumai, which being interpreted is damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years, and they were, and they were astonished with great astonishment. Jesus Christ was sufficient. His healing was sufficient. His power was sufficient in that situation. This must have been life-changing for those disciples who were there. We're told that Peter, James, and John were there. They were able to witness that miracle. And you see, because they were there, they were there because they forsook their jobs that they had before. Yes, they were fishermen, and they decided to forsake all those things and follow Jesus Christ. And sometimes when Jesus wants us to see those miracles, sometimes we're going to have to forsake some things. Uh, hanging out time on family on Sunday. Sometimes we're going to have to forsake that, bring the family to church, and see what Jesus Christ can do through and with our family. You see, there's some things that sometimes we have to put off in order to put Jesus Christ first and to trust him and to trust that he knows best. Peter, James, and John, they all had to give up their occupation. They all had to give up everything that they had, everything that they knew, everything that they loved. They gave it up in order to follow Christ. And because they gave that up, they're able to witness that miracle. What a great reward that was for following Jesus Christ. But it wasn't only just stopped with them. Imagine the amount of times that Peter, James, and John were able to give this story to others. That was me. I was there. I, I witnessed this with my own two eyes. I was able to see Jesus Christ raise this girl. I was able to see Jesus Christ do all of these miracles because they forsook all and followed him. You see, if they didn't follow Christ right away, let's just say maybe they did follow Jesus Christ a little bit later on down the road, a couple years into his ministry, they may have missed this miracle. They may have missed many miracles that he performed, but thankfully they followed him right away. 
But right there, they're in the right place at the right time. They didn't know that, where was the other disciples? They, they weren't there. They were in the right place at the right time. And they didn't know that Jesus Christ was going to do a miracle, but he did. And that's another thing. It's important for us to always be in the presence of God. Always be by God in multiple different ways. Being in church is important. And the Bible says it's important to be in church. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Being in church. Who knows what church service is going to speak specifically to you? You might look at the bulletin and be like, well, I don't need a sermon on this subject. Oh, I don't need a sermon on that subject. And you forget about it. Oh, I don't need it. And you don't come, but that might be the sermon that's exactly what you needed. That's why it's important to always be there. That's why it's important to always read our Bibles. Read our Bibles all the time. I'll be honest with you. There's times when I read my Bible and I get through it and I'm just like, I have no clue what in the world that just said. I, I'm just like completely lost. I don't know. And I'm sure you've all been there. You kind of read your Bible and you're like, well, I didn't really get anything from it today. But why does that mean that you're not going to get something from it tomorrow? Many people give up and say, you know what? It's done. I didn't get anything from it today. Why even read it? But who knows what service? Who knows what specific chapter, what specific verse is going to touch your heart that day? Thankfully, Peter, James, and John, they were there. They were consistent. They were close with God. They were close to Jesus Christ. And because of that, they were able to witness that miracle, and they're able to tell others, show others what Jesus Christ had done. It's been a great joy for them to see that and to witness that. The Bible says in Jeremiah 33, verse 3, it says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. It's a good time to start praying for, Lord, show me a miracle. Lord, I'm in this hard situation. Lord, I've been praying for this person for 30, 40, 50 years to get saved. Lord, show me a miracle. You're the only one that can do this. It might be a physical, a financial, it might be a family, it might be who knows what it is. Lord, show me a miracle in this situation in my life. See, in conclusion, believing God's word is a choice. Both Jairus and the crowd, they heard that Jesus Christ was coming, but they both had two opposite ways of thinking. Jairus believed. I'm sure it was small. I'm sure it was little, but he had just a little bit of trust, a little bit of belief in order to lead Jesus Christ back. Those mourners, they scoffed Jesus, laughed at him, but they too were able to witness those miracles. And Man, I'm glad, I'm sure, I know Jarius was glad that he didn't say, well, Jesus, she's dead, she's gone, just don't, there's no point of you coming back. Believing God's word is a choice. They were all able to witness that. Believing his word is a choice. So what is it in your life that you're having problems with trusting Jesus in? I'm sure we all have them. I mean, at the, at the, Singles conference, many people were like, well, I'm not married yet. Well, my, my finances are, aren't where I want them to be at. I don't own a house like I, I want to. And you can get bogged down with all these things. Well, 
I'm not advanced in my career like I'd like to be and all those things. And we look at it and we're like, God, look at all these people around me. This person has a nice house. This person has a nice car and they're not serving you at all. Here I am serving at a church, putting my all everything that I have into this ministry and look where I'm at. I'm not as far as they are. I'm not as far as that person is. And we can look at that and we say, God, can I really trust in you? Are you really gonna, are you really loving? Are you really kind? Are you really gracious like you say you are? And so there's times when we get bogged down with those things and we have trouble trusting in God. So no matter what the problems that you have in life, no matter what struggles you're facing right now, understand that God is greater than all of them. God is bigger than all of them. God wants to show miracles in your life, but you must continually trust in him. It's a daily activity, trusting Jesus Christ every single day. And Charis was able to see that great miracle. His daughter was healed. Bible talks about how she got right up. She was back. She was healthy. She was great. It all happened because Jarius had faith. Jarius trusted in God through the good times, through the bad times. Believe, trust in Jesus. He's greater, bigger, and better than any problem that you can ever face. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I just want to thank you for the opportunity that you've given me to give the message. I pray that you would just be with all these people in this room right now. Like I talked about the different problems and struggles and trials and everything that we're all going through right now, Lord, or we're going into it, or we may be even coming out of one. I pray that you would just help us to trust in you. And I've trust like Jarius. Thank you for his example that we have of Wow, all the different emotions, all the highs, all the lows and everything that he went, went through. But yet, even though it may have been very little, he knew that you were greater than any problem that he could ever face. Lord, you want to show us miracles in our lives. Lord, but sometimes we have to get out of our comfort zone. We have to do things that we don't believe that we can do. In reality, we can't do. But Lord, you tell us to step out, walk out on faith like Peter did, walked on the water. He just stepped out in faith. He trusted that Jesus Christ, and he was all he needed, Lord. I pray you just help us, help this church, Lord, to have more trust and faith in you. I pray us all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com. Or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church, Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.